This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hello and welcome to The Blank Podcast, the podcast where we talk to well-known guests about their lives, their careers and negotiating those difficult moments along the way. I'm Giles Paley-Phillips and with me, my co-pilot on this mission of positivity is Jim Daly. Hello, how are you? I'm all right. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Is that that positive enough? I'm all right. I've I've just been to the gym, so I'm a bit sort of... uh, low energy you're in your change strip um, i can see yes i'm in my change strip. yeah we had so i went to the gym and then on the way back we had a doorman i oh, would no locksmith is the word i'm looking for a doorman <laughs> well it's kind of i thought you were like you know like to let you into your property oh if only if only no i am the doorman oh, mr daly um, sir let me open the door for oh, you oh mr daly how, you, how was your day sir <laughs> let yeah. me get let me just get the car have you got your keys um, no <laughs> But anyway, he was uh he saw I got this palace top on, so I went to the gym and he was like started chatting about football. Ah, like, QPR like fan. Oh, you yeah. got one of our players You take all our best players. Yeah, basically, yeah. It's nice, <laughs> but um I just wasn't sort of in the mood for a football chat. <laughs> I wasn't in the mood for bands. I just wanted to eat my lunch and then come and do it. I don't know, I'm just I'm just tired from the gym. I'm just yeah. Sometimes you go to the gym and like it makes you be like, Yeah, I feel great. Well, mm. but I I just I feel achy. Yeah. Did you, go, did you do too much? Did you overdo it? Well, I was just my personal trainer. So in theory, no, because that's the whole the whole point of having one is they make you do the exact amount that you're supposed to do. Hmm. But I, I think he likes to kill me sometimes. So yeah, uh, yeah, maybe it was boxing and it was, yeah, it's quite, Ooh, boxing. quite sore. A boxer yeah. size or actual like punching pads? Pads, pad work. Yeah. Hmm. It's good fun. It's good. Because I've got to, I've got to protect myself from the mean streets of Chesham. You know, you just <laughs> I was going to gonna say, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've always you never had, know who's around the corner. Yeah, I, I've always been. Um, I quite like watching boxing. You know, the big bouts, and yeah. I mean, I think it goes stems back to watching Rocky when I was very young. <laughs> yeah, which I think is quite a lot of people's great film in to yeah. boxing. Um, 
But yeah, I've never had a go at sort of punching a bag or anything. I'd quite like to have a go at that. I think imagine it can be quite cathartic. Yeah, I've not. I've only done a bag once, I think. But I mostly do pads mm-hmm. with my personal trainer. It's really, I enjoy it. It's good fun. It, I guess it's kind of cathartic. But Does he get uh, you ducking and weaving? Does he like? Yeah. So you well, got to go over the top and like. Yeah. So I do. I do. I do ducks and I do uh, slips. Right. Do you ever get caught? Um, Does he ever catch you? Yeah. So I, yeah. So well. No, not really. Once or twice, but that's normally if I like screw up the routine. Yeah, um, he's decked you but, a few times. Yeah, he's not. He's, he's caught me. He's caught me a few times. I'm sort of top of my head, um, and I've caught him a few times. And actually, what happens most uh, is that I catch myself. So I've got to okay, punch yourself in the face. <laughs> that happens quite a lot. Um, but we were doing so today. At the end, we were doing a little routine and a slip. And he was like, "If I catch you." So it was it was like 15 of those and then uh 10 burpees. He was like, if I catch you, it's next for like five burpees. Oh, so man. there was like then there's the incentive not to get make sure the slip was good. And actually I didn't I didn't get hit. Um but burpees are horrible. I oh, they're the worst. They're the worst. I don't know who invented those. Some absolute masochistic, yeah, horrendous person. Yeah, if you do them properly as well, because I think I oh, I've I done them terribly. Them, well, I mean like I've I do them like half heartedly, so it's like kind yeah. of not right not really going full down and well, i was doing them with boxing pads on so i couldn't actually put my hands down <laughs> but that sounds Sorry, gloves you on. hilarious yeah hilarious i didn't know how to put my hands down it's really and then like my fingers are hurting it's just anyway enough of enough of me moaning about very middle class problems and my boxing training um we've got a fantastic guest on this week haven't we we have we've got a really and well funny enough there's a there's an anecdote about going to the gym and falling off a treadmill Oh, there is. Oh, it's almost so, like we did it on purpose. I know. So I was sort of thinking, how can I segue into our conversation about our our brilliant guest this week? And you know, as usual, it's seamless. And why do we we do, we do that quite a lot, don't we? I don't know how we do it because I, I I'd forgotten about that anecdote, which is very funny. Mm. But yeah, it just but goes I don't to, show. to go to the gym. Yeah, wasn't like yeah, we're just we're just on another level. Mm. Just coast to show. If you talk enough shit eventually some of it will be relevant well, yeah <laughs> and that's another t-shirt from it yeah nice collection. <laughs> but oh, yeah there was one in yeah sorry there was one in today's show wasn't there there was, was. another quote there's lots oh, there was lots we had loads of um quotable bits from this show because it was a fantastic um conversation with amrita arcaria and i'm hoping i'm said that cor- correctly um but she's a fantastic actress and now a writer and director as well, and uh, filmmaker. So yeah, it was a it was such a great conversation because we talked about so many different things. We talked about her early life, um, going from different place to place. So she lived in lots of different places, being young, and the different school systems in those places, and how that kind of fed into her eventually mm. becoming a sort of storyteller, which she likes to call you know, which she called it. And uh, yeah, it was really fascinating. Yeah, fascinating individual. Yeah, I, yeah, grew up in. Uh, in Norway, one of many places she's lived, and I've always been fascinated by the way they do things in sort of Scandinavia. So lots of insight into there, and particularly the school system. She's also a podcaster as well. We've got a yeah. link below in our show notes to her podcast. And so uh, I think when you've got people that come on that do their own pods, they're just so easy to talk to. And she was just an absolute pre, absolute breeze to talk to. Uh, but thankfully for this episode, also a very fascinating person with some really, you know, done some worked on some huge shows um and also just a very refreshing outlook on life as well so loads of takeaways for me this week and i'm sure for our listeners as well and i will say in our patron section which is at patron.com slash blank podcast she interviews us yeah which, turn the tables. So, yeah which doesn't happen very often so uh yeah do check out that if you want extra content 
uh, at patreon.com slash plank podcast where we become the interviewees which is interesting mm. and in fact actually let me talk about podcasts in general actually there's an interesting chat about sort of the, the benefits of podcasts so yeah Amrita, what a person just an absolute joy having her on and uh yeah i think i think our listeners are gonna love this one yeah absolutely well i really enjoyed talking to her it was really good and we you know we were chatting off air quite a while as well so we could have talked for ages couldn't we we could have had a right good natter and sort of putting the world to rights a little bit yeah, it was one. Of, yeah, definitely one of those. Yeah, definitely one of those. And they're they're always a cathartic episode as well. And she was saying how much she took away from it as well. So yeah, one of the one of the uh, one of those putting the world to the rights ones. And I love those episodes. I really do. So I think we should get into it. Yeah. Well, before that though, Jim, oh, I've yeah, got a I lovely always... message. Okay. I always forget these. It's only been 180 episodes. And I still no, no, forget. It's them. all right. Uh, so we got a message here on Apple Podcasts, which we. Uh, we like very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's from uh, Sovars, and they've said, uh, I love you guys. Well, well, we love, love you, you too. too. Yeah. Uh, if you want to laugh out loud and feel smarter, then don't listen to No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> if, you wanna, if you want to laugh out loud and feel smarter and feel the love, then listen to Blank Podcast. So that's a lovely message. That's really nice. Oh, lovely. Well, we love you too. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much for getting in contact. You, you can... I think that was on Apple, you say. So you can leave a review on Apple mm. Podcasts. We'd love you to can... do that. Please do. Yeah, because it helps other people see it. If you can leave a five-star review, it helps other people see it as well. Um, but uh, you can also contact us on social media. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And our handle is? At BlankPod. Yeah, so we'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you can send a message as nice as that, my word, yeah. we will love you forever. Yeah, we like the lo- the nice messages, but, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll take the... We'll take the any, bad ones on the chin. Any constrict well, if they're constructive, we'll take them on board, don't we? Mm. If everyone's got suggestions on how to do the show better, we will uh, delete your I say just keep um, them to the shelf. <laughs> yeah, no. It's fine. We'll take any interaction uh, at all. But anyway, I think we should get on with this week's episode. It's a real it's a really, really, really great episode. Uh, this is the wonderful Amrita Akaria on the Blank Podcast. <laughs> Well, Amrita, it's so lovely to see you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. We really appreciate your time. Um, now, am I right in thinking as a um, as a young person, you moved around quite a lot? Um, and I and I and I wondered, like, with that kind of moving around a lot, obviously going into performance and acting, that must have been quite difficult in a way. I suppose would that be fair to say? I think it's actually the opposite. I think moving around a lot um, probably equipped me with the tools to be able to get into acting without overthinking things too much. Um, I suppose when you do move around, I really loved it. I know people have really different experiences with being moved around, um, especially at young ages or in their formative years. But I really loved it because every time you came to a new city or a new school, I literally could just be like, okay, cool. I think I'll be this kind of person this time around <laughs> and just take on like these new personalities. And then not new, that makes me sound like I'm some kind of psychotic person, not new personalities, but like explore, explore what people's reaction is. If you are a certain type of person or have a certain type of personality trait or, um, I don't know, just everything from the way you talk or, or the way you'd walk or the interests you are perceived to have. So I just found, I found, I guess, are you allowed to swear? Fucking about with people's reactions really um, 
fun, <laughs> basically. Okay, so so um, which traits worked then? Because I I'm definitely someone that as a kid felt like I got everything wrong and I was the wrong person all the time in every in every scenario. So what traits were you like? Oh, this is a this is a winner. I'm onto something here. Yeah. Well, I couldn't be bullied, and I would kind of I didn't mind being an outsider. So I never I never wanted to fit in. So I, so it never bothered me that I didn't. Um, I, I kind of just liked being different and I'd often like to be different in a way that would piss people off. Yeah. (laughs) So I remember there was uh, one school I went to where I think you were, I think if you did your blazer up, you were a boffin and I was like, yeah, yeah. So I, I was like, what does a boffin mean? And I, you know, it means that you really like reading and you're smart and stuff. I was like, cool. That sounds like a deep, that sounds fine to me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah like those are bad things <laughs> bad also like it's cold i'm gonna do my blazer up because it's more comfortable so i would purposefully do my blazer up and wear skirts that were below knee length because that was really uncool um just because it provoked people and i just found it really funny i just found it quite funny i think that it was these really bizarre small random and completely inconsequential things that would really rile people up then I do random stuff like I think at some at one point um, I managed to convince everyone that I was probably a witch and I could curse them. If <laughs> I just played played into it. I was like, yeah, probably, probably. Um, so just stuff like that. I think that was probably the most it was just really fun for me. And I think in the end it got people, I think, to kind of, I suppose, like me or find me because I was never mean. I was always nice. But mm. I couldn't really be bullied because I didn't have a problem with the fact that I liked reading. I didn't have a problem with the fact that you call me a boffin. I would carry a briefcase to school because I just thought it was funny that it would piss people off that I didn't have a rucksack. So I literally had my dad's briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> this like burgundy thing that didn't really open up properly because um, I thought it was funny, basically. I mean, it is funny. <laughs> it yeah, yeah. definitely is. And I think... <laughs> Find it hilarious. <laughs> I think um and I I think the reason the kids probably came around is because they, they most kids or nearly all kids at school are really insecure about who they are and are trying to be someone else and you you were probably the the only or one of the few that were actually being true to yourself and so they probably actually afterwards were like oh yeah no actually I, that's what I want to be I don't want to be pretending to be something I'm not I would also reason not reason with them but I think I'd also kind of just and I'm very kind of like well that's just facts I think that's one of the things I say a lot of the time whenever I argue with my other half half. I'll just be like, yeah, but that's just facts. I'm just stating a fact. <laughs> like, be really emotionless <laughs> about it. So in, in the very few, I was lucky enough not to really experience that much racism at school, which I know a lot of um, kids of colour do. But I remember one time I was called um, a dirty Arab <laughs> and I just went, I, I shower and also I'm not, I'm not from... <laughs> I'm not from those countries. <laughs> and it just, they just didn't quite know how to respond to it because mm. I just stated something that was like, well, you've got all your facts wrong. So if you are going to bully me, at least, you know, brush up on your geography. Um, and I wear deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's sort of that, dis- yeah, that kind of um, diffuses the situation, isn't it? When you're, yeah, if you, like you say, if you're able to, I don't know, when you stand up to a bully, for example, yeah, just to be able to kind of, put them in their place to a certain extent which is not always easy to do but obviously you had the strength of the character to do that maybe although I probably I don't know how I'd managed to get through school without getting punched because I would just <laughs> I was I was just annoying people a lot yeah 
I love the briefcase. You, yeah, I love, love the briefcase. I can't, I can't believe I used to walk around with the briefcase with my buttons done up on my blazer. You were, you were the first ever Will from the Inbetweeners. <laughs> probably was. Just living it. Just living I it. I probably was. Yeah, I was living it. I think that's really cool. And I think um, I'm trying to think at my school or my secondary school, which is where I was the longest and probably where I was the, it was the most uh, unenjoyable. The thing that to be cool, you had to tuck your tie in right at the top. So you had to tuck your tie in right at the top of your shirt. Oh, or yeah. Maybe, or maybe a t- small tie, like a small short tie, tie, like a small tie. Maybe it's a short tie or tucked in. I can't I mean, it looks that. ridiculous. Yeah. You think it about looks, it. Yeah. It looks like the front man from ACDC. Yeah. Yeah. But that was, <laughs> I think that was what we had to do. Well, what you, what you, Charles, you remember? What, well, what, I think what, short what tie, I think that was the thing. Oh, and okay, I think, so yeah, like, standard. um, yeah, or I think that that was that for like a season, and then it was long tie. Um, you know, so like it changed. I want to know who makes it up. I want to know who yeah. the person is that has this rule book and who decides what's cool. Because I'm like, well, exactly. they don't look cool. Nothing looks cool. You look dumb. <laughs> it looks really dumb. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I've had these conversations with my two kids who are teenagers, and my eldest is a bit like you, Amity. He's he he really doesn't care what people think of him, uh, and he's a bit, you know, he's. He's a bright kid. He's he's into video games and, you know, science, you know, stuff that I don't know anything about. Uh, but he's just, he just doesn't, ca- he really literally doesn't care what people think of him. And I think it's quite freeing. I, I really take a lot from, like, I'm inspired by him in a way because he just doesn't, he just doesn't care. And, and I think there's something really great about that. There is, but I think it's also... Because I assume I assume that your son does care about what certain people think, but it's probably sure does, yeah. it's probably more to do with caring about the people that you respect exactly. and value and their yeah. opinions, the ones that matter, rather than caring about people who you're not going to talk to in twenty years. Yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's got a strong group of friends, and he obviously, yeah, he cares about what they think and has their opinions. But yeah, outside of that outside of that group and the family he really doesn't give a monkeys which is great where do you think that comes from do you think that's to do with for me <laughs> it's not for me my wife's a bit like that to be fair so i think yeah to a certain extent yeah she she can be a bit like that but yeah i certainly not for me i was definitely a very um yeah like jim probably was always trying to find who i really was at school to a certain extent probably still am i don't i don't think probably. school's a good place to find out who you really are no and especially the british school system i really struggle with having sort of been in extremes of education in terms of like having been in nepal where it's very strict and and almost Mm. militant in the way um you're taught and disciplined to the uk which is so focused on like everything is just to me the schooling system is very much just cram as much as you can in your head and then regurgitate it that's all you need to do yeah yeah exactly yeah um and like you learn for tests basically yeah you literally just learn for tests and i i remember literally just cramming and 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 just writing out the, the sentences word for word basically i didn't feel like i learned anything really um which is probably why i veered more towards things like english and religious education and art and um you know drama because because you get to have an opinion about something and and it's you know it's more it's more of a creative way of thinking rather than well this is the formula and that's the answer and i don't really understand how it's going to help me in life but i'd better learn it so that i can 
get on with, with schooling. Um, whereas in Norway, I think I was introduced to a way of schooling that I actually found really difficult at first because I was brought up quite academic. But in Norway, a lot of it was about social skills, um, which I clearly didn't have a lot of since my main goal was to piss people off. <laughs> um but that is like interacting with people and debating and understanding people's opinions. And, and like you're saying, you know, figuring out who you are and your place in the world and what you want to do in life. Um, it's kind of a longer and more, more personal process, I suppose, where yeah. you get more of a choice and a say, and you can really think about what you want to do rather than just society telling you, you should be doing something or, you know, well, that's kind of the best choice. So you should just do that. Um, so it kind of really opened my mind to the, to the different ways people can be educated and schooled. Um, yeah, I kind of really struggle with the British schooling system. I think it's really outdated, personally. It is, and it's still it's getting worse in a way. Cause, and plus the, the, the main focus being on STEM subjects. So creative subjects, like say like drama and art and music, are being squeezed so much. Um, and even like my wife's a DT teacher, which is a, more of a creative subject, is again, they're really focusing on the science and engineering part of that so that even that is now being squeezed so it's a it's a really frustrating system um and i i really admire like the scandinavian systems like finland and norway and and you know who've got you know obviously the children start a bit later with school and then it's a lot more about yeah about nurture and and learning about life and like yeah and learning about life through more creative subjects and i think that's really appealing and it's a shame we don't follow a similar kind of education system but there's definitely I definitely I think when I when I first started the schooling system that I was a teenager I was 13 and I really struggled with with just this whole concept of like okay well this is all your curriculum for the month and you can go through it whenever you you know in your own time in the meantime we'll do social activities and and there was a lot of like school trips out and stuff and I would get really frustrated because I would feel like it wasn't productive and I was wasting my time and you know and I think I still struggle with that even now as an adult, this idea of productivity and, and my days are always packed with a lot of the time nonsense that you know, isn't really that productive. But um, Things like this podcast, for example. <laughs> I'm so unproductive. I'm getting nothing out of it, guys. Um, <laughs> no, but I think it was, it was just such a... It's only now as an adult, I kind of now see the value in the years that I spent there where I learned to speak to people and understand that people are really different and they think really differently to me. And... Um, you know, how important it is to have those life skills and understand work and life balance and be at one with nature, which was a massive thing that I learned out there, you know, that I was never really in, I mean, I wasn't an outdoorsy person, but it was mainly like to be able to read vampire books without my mum knowing and pretend <laughs> to be a vampire and be able to roller skate and stuff instead of do maths. Um, but it was never, it was always like this thing that was kind of, that I did for uh, secret fun and enjoyment rather than a thing that should be part of your life. And I think in, UK culture and possibly American culture I don't think people really understand the value in it I think perhaps more so now but then it kind of goes into this whole other realm of wellness and you know be kind to yourself and yeah. it doesn't mean having a bubble bath and sticking on some candles all the time it's, <laughs> no no sometimes it might be it may be reading a book and you know understanding yourself and helping yourself or whatever or it may be understanding nature and how that influences your life and and your well-being in that sense so I think people kind of don't really understand the whole concept sometimes. And I'm still t getting to grips with it. But I wish we learned that at school because no one teaches you any of that at school. Yeah, same. I completely wish I'd learned that at school as well. 
And I think those are, those are just good life skills, whatever you do. Like, even if you don't end up in the arts or anything, performery or whatever, those are just good life skills in general, I think. Being able to understand other people better, understand yourself better, get on with people. That's going to help in any industry you're in, surely. I, I do feel like the whole way we're brought up and stuck in the school system here is very much about... It really caters to people pleasing, and you know, uh, um, I, I'm not sure it places the things that we remember on our deathbeds at the forefront of our lives. It really is all the things that are quite transient, and kind of forget that it was part of our lives when we get old. That's the stuff that seems to be in focus, and I really hope. I think there was a shift coming. I don't know, but. Um, yeah, I really hope that becomes more and more part of the culture in the UK because I, 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 I miss it, I think. When I go back to Norway to visit my parents, I definitely, um, you know, see the difference in people and the way that they are, even how they connect with people when you go and have a conversation. They're, they're there with you. They're not kind of like checking their emails and, and at work, basically. You know, it is quite a different pace of life. Yeah, that's something that I think we all struggle with a little bit is that, um, like you say, just being present with people. Like when we have conversations, you know, even if you're meeting up with someone for a cup of coffee or whatever, we're still kind of waiting for that vibration in our pocket with the phone going off or something. And then you're sort of switched on to something else because you're thinking about that. And yeah, it's, uh, it's something we do need to get better with in general. I think we all need to be a bit more present. Yeah, it is. I think that, I mean, I'm so bad at it. I have this idea that I can multitask, but I clearly can't. I don't think, I think I was listening to a podcast earlier today and they, and somebody was saying it's scientifically impossible to actually listen and have a conversation and do something else at the same time. And I was like, oh my God, there's so many times and I'm literally on my phone <laughs> yeah. like, answering a bunch of emails being like, yeah, yeah, I'm listening. And it's like, I'm literally not. I'm just regurgitating what you've said to me, but I haven't listened to what you've said at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, by the way, guys, I am sort of doing a hundred different things here. Right? Yeah, I gotta say, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, but it made me think about that. And I say, so you know, when the Kindles came out, I bought myself a Kindle mm. and I could just never get on board with it. And I think it's because I still value so much having a book that you sit down and you open the pages and you have, you can't do anything. Else. You literally can't do anything else. You can't do anything else. Exactly. Because the yeah, words yeah. are there. And if you haven't done it properly, you have to then go back and read that page again. And I used to like blitz um, <laughs> 11 books a week. I know this because the library only gave out 10 and the librarian used to let me have an extra one. So I got 11 books a week and I would blitz them every week. And I could just sit and focus so much. And now I have been trying to read this book for three months. And I just, I'm constantly like flipping back pages because I can't. And I used to be able to do it on the tube because on the tube, your phone doesn't have signal. But now your phone has signals. So this, this thing is such yeah. a horrid little device that I can't live without. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's horrible. It's It's... Yeah, it's one of the most addictive things. I mean, this is like crack cocaine, isn't it, really? I mean, it's it because not only, obviously, social media, for example, with all the algorithms that tie you in, it's just everything is on here. Everything, literally everything. Your mu you know, I have all my music and stuff on here, podcasts, whatever it is. You can't be parted from it to a certain extent because it has your whole life is attached to it. But the moments when I have removed, there's been times when, like, if I'm, you know, nothing's going on, there's, there's no shows out or whatever... And I'll take some of the social media apps off my phone and I genuinely get so much more done. But then the downside of it, because it is also great in, in, in its ways, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't have, I have 
one cousin living in England and most of my family and friends are quite spread out. So it is my way of keeping in touch with people. It is how I know what people are doing, you know, because how many WhatsApp groups can you really have? Um, that's, that's another one. Too many, too many, too many. Oh my God, the amount of... We've got we've all got ridiculous names on our WhatsApp groups. I don't know what you guys have, but... Yeah. Oh God, I've got so many WhatsApp groups and you can't leave any of them because obviously you're that person. That I think they may have changed it now. I think you can leave and they won't know. Oh, okay, good. <gasps> that's good. Really? I may have dreamt this. This may just have been. A... No, no. I think I heard that as well. Actually, you can. Yeah, you can do a like silent. You can silently okay. leave. I love I the fact that them. we're doing like a virtual podcast and we're also bashing everything to do with being able to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, no, there's pros and cons, isn't there, to everything? But I guess yeah. going back to present moment and conversations. Um, yeah, I wish there was more of it. To be honest, um, I'm. I really, I really want to leave. A group now and see if it works giles giles you and i are in a a, a joint group are we about yeah about uh, a meetup i'm gonna try i'm gonna leave it Can okay you tell me if it shows up or not all right this is so exciting this is like li- this is live because you are admin so you can let me back in okay a report group i'm not gonna do that no one said anything bad uh exit group here we go exit group right i've got exit group cancel or archive instead if i archive Ooh. is that archive just puts it into like a folder so it doesn't come up in in your list but is that is it archived to like so they won't know i've left no, or do I have just to exit? this is quite this is thrilling isn't it i have to exit here we go okay <laughs> this is exit group here we go exit group oh right, jim left, left. Oh, <laughs> maybe <laughs> oh my god I, I think you should leave i don't think you should go back in i think you should now oh, do no. I've, I've not said anything in this group either. I don't think I've said anything. So I've just listened to all the messages and left. How rude. Do I, I think, Charles, right you should put up a really, um, really I'm like gonna, random I'm gonna, emoji. I'm going to message now saying, I don't know why Jim's there. <laughs> what the, I don't know what's wrong with Jim, honestly. <laughs> he seemed fine. I'm not. He I'm seemed like fine that. as I'm, I'm not that cruel. I'm not that cruel. Right I'm not that cruel. <laughs> uh, can you add me back in and I can just later apologise? I'll do it later because we're, we're multitasking now, Jim. Yeah, this sorry. Is like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's true though. I, 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 <laughs> it's so true about getting the balance, isn't it, between uh, what what all this stuff is good for and like and and obviously the detrimental effect it can have. Uh, there was one time recently I can't remember what it was exactly. I think I'd like left the house for a walk and left my phone or something like that. But I realised I was like suddenly somewhere without my phone and couldn't do anything about it. Like couldn't actually go and get it. Couldn't whatever. And it was really nice, really freeing. Like just just it's like sort of you know taking off a cast or something that's suddenly like you just you sort of feel you can sort of be you again so i think it is Did you start like dancing through the meadows yeah i kevin like, bacon rainbow came dance. out <laughs> yeah through it was just i don't know i think it's i but it's so hard i think all of us would whether you take off the social media apps or or, or leave your phone behind for the day or whatever would feel the benefit but it's it, it is so hard to do that whether it's like fomo or I don't know what it is. Keeping us I know for me, a lot of it's to do with, I just don't like 300 emails in my inbox that I have to deal with. I'd rather clear them out. So a lot of it's just that, I think. Because um, I've come to the conclusion that if, if people really want to know what you're doing, you don't need to be on social media, they will get in touch with you. Although I remember once I took it off and they were like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean? Um, but yeah, it's, it's a weird one. It's a weird one. I, I find it interesting that there is now a whole generation coming up that don't know life without it do you know what i mean and i have got um a few acquaintances who are raising their kids without screens which i find like wow that's cool 
that's really cool. I wonder how long that will last as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah how are they doing a tricky that? one because we we uh, we we tried that and it's it's really difficult. Yeah, it's really hard. I don't know. I guess so, I guess you'd have to be a stay at home probably. Oh, I don't know. I don't even know how you do it. Because again, there's yeah, pros and cons in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and like for our, you know, from I can only speak from my own experience, but like like I said, my eldest is really into video games and there's that's his passion. He's passionate about it, you know, and actually that's I can see him kind of going into that industry maybe when he's older. So um and actually there's something I know there's a lot of, you know, kind of negatives around video games, but actually for him it's quite a connecting thing. He connects to his friends, he plays online, you know, they get meet up together and they do Pokemon Go and actually gets him out doing exercise. Um, so in some ways, it's actually quite a good thing for him. But I can see that, yeah, I can see the downsides if you just kind of, well, we all just sit there watching crap or doom scrolling or whatever. I mean, it's not the kids are doom scrolling, but, it, you know, it's that same sort of principle, I suppose. No, definitely. Um, just going back to, you were talking about sort of in Norway, people sort of being more connected and stuff. Why are the Scandinavian countries just so much better than us? Like I, I, I just, what, how have they managed to cultivate that sort of more connected lifestyle? Is it just a cultural thing? I think cultural, or... yeah, I think culture has a lot to do with it. I think also the expanse of space, because there is a <clears> lot more space out there and you are surrounded by mountains. And I mean, we live in Tromsø, which is up in the north. So you've got stuff like the Northern Lights and fjords and mountains. And I don't know, maybe... It, for me, it was always a sense that you were constantly reminded that there was something bigger than you and your daily little idiotic life. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I think maybe that's got to do with it. Um, you know, I, as as with everything, I think there is pros and cons. I think it can also, it can sometimes feel quite insular and, and a very limited way of thinking sometimes. Um, but I think on the whole, their balance is just better and their attitude towards what it means to have a life isn't just centered around how much you get done in a day or how much money you earn or you know do you know what I mean like I feel like their values um and their moral compasses are more set in the same way that you would probably find in uh you know in the eastern world as well that it who you are as a human being and how you relate to other people and nature is quite a big part of life in a way that perhaps at least in the UK, I don't really feel like it's a thing. And there are obviously, I'm generalising massively, but it, it is just like a, a rat race, isn't it, a lot of the time? Yeah. It is all go, yeah. go, go. And I don't, I think um, media and, and you know, what we see and digest in the news and whatever's going on, it all kind of, it pushes us towards that. And again, going back to schooling, that is kind of, it kind of feels like that is where schooling is geared towards. It's not necessarily about what kind of human being are you and, you know, what, what do you want with your friend friendship groups and how do you relate to them and what does your life outside of these grades that you're supposed to get look like? I think from day one, you're sort of propelled into this train of living and, and, uh, and producing and earning, I suppose, um, that can feel really restrictive, you know, yeah, there's little space for anything else. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree with all that. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, it's something, yeah, it's something we need to consider more, I think, and be more considerate, um, definitely going forward. Going back to your um, getting into acting and performing, um, I guess that started at, at that time, though, when you were at, were at school, 
was there anyone that sort of influenced you or was there to help you and support you in that? I suppose I've always been an introverted extrovert, so I couldn't, I'm so happy with my own time and I don't even see anyone like me and my cat. We're fine. Even we're sometimes in separate rooms. Um, but, um, I've always loved being on my own, but always loved being with people as well. Um, depending on the time, but in the UK, I didn't really consider acting uh, a thing. I did some dance. Um, don't have any coordination. Not a strong point. Very enthusiastic. Let's leave it at that. Um, <laughs> did some music. Again, awful. Me trying to play the violin. Not good. Not good. Um, I, but you know, I was I was good at writing and reading and all that kind of stuff. And and I loved. I've always loved storytelling. But I never thought acting was really something you could do as a profession. It was quite esoteric, I think. And you know, growing up in Nepal, obviously I was, I loved watching the Bollywood films, especially the old school ones. And I, I love watching dance. So all of that obviously influenced me, but it was very out of reach. It wasn't the sort of thing that I would, I could do. Um, and then when we moved to Norway, as I mentioned, there was this whole new way of thinking and living and um, whether create, being creative and your creativity and creative expression was a bit more of a centre point. And I had an amazing teacher when I then went on to high school and decided I wanted to um, explore the creative arts a bit more, um, who sort of saw that I had a passion for storytelling, whether it was directing or acting or scenography at that point as well. Like I've always been artistic in that sense. Uh, my mum's an architect, so that's probably influenced my obsession with architecture. Um, and she kind of was like, you know, you can do drama school. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> so I didn't have an idea of what it really meant. So I went on all the websites. I was like, cool, I'll, I'll apply and see what happens. Um, in the meantime, I was applying for like business school and whatever else as well. Um, and I don't know, I just really enjoyed it. And I wasn't afraid of it. I think with academia, I would get so wound up about the exams and about getting things right. And I felt that with acting, you, there, there wasn't anything to get right, but you, could, you couldn't get it wrong anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was so subjective, yeah. um, what people thought of your performance or storytelling or whatever. And I just really enjoyed, I suppose, going back to where we started, being really present. I felt like I could be really present in the same way when I was reading a book and falling in love with these characters. Or uh, I'd do the same with a script. I'd read a script and fall in love with the character and, and just be really present in being that for a bit. And I think that was probably the biggest influence for me, really. I think that's so true. I think there's a there's a real sort of <clears throat> beauty in the presence of creating art, um, where you sort of have to be. I think you you can't you can't really sort of properly connect to whatever you're doing, be it performing or or or, or fine art or whatever whatever your thing is. And that's that's kind of the joy in it. I think that you are, especially in sort of the world we just spoken about, the modern world, that you are sort of stripped back and you are just focusing on the thing that either you do or you love doing, or if you're very lucky, both but you sort of have to be. It doesn't work unless you are completely connected to it. And that in, that in itself is a very sort of freeing feeling. Yeah, I, d I definitely think it is. And I think that's why I was very, um, I mean, it all started with the theatre, obviously, and screen came much later. But for me, theatre acting was where, where I fell in love with the whole process of it and um, just creating a world out of nothing. I just found it amazing that you could go into a black box and you could transport yourself and your audience to somewhere completely different. And if you did it well, everyone was there with you and you can yeah. feel it. Like you can feel your, 
the hairs on your arms stand up on end and you can feel like a current of I don't know what electricity I suppose or whatever whatever it is you can feel the energy of the people there with you and around you and yourself within your 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 group of people that you're doing it with and I think it's I think that's probably the most thrilling part of performing is is being able to be totally present and uh and also there's always a possibility that you might forget your lines and fuck up and that's really <laughs> fun because <laughs> like, i am an adrenaline junkie and i love it i love it so much so you you like those moments then you lean into those i mean i hate it but i love it i just like the i just love that you that like there's nothing you can do it's gonna happen whether you like it or not and that if you suddenly don't remember a line, that's like you've got to deal with it. You just have to deal with it. it. Like that's just life, you know. And I think it just it it makes everything else in life feel like you can deal with it as well. I think there was nothing more petrifying than the first show on the first night of a theatre gig. There is nothing more petrifying. No, nothing. Can you? Can you? Can you recall when you might have had your first moment of that, of forgetting a line? I've always got my lines back. I've always got my lines back, even if I blanked. and It does happen. But it's because it's when you're not present. That's the only time you blank. Yeah. You're not present. So, no, I've no, I have touch wood. Never blank. I've repeated a line because I've been so present, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just want to reiterate that <laughs> um no i have touch wood never forgotten I've, yeah the times i have and the times i have generally are on screen and it's usually because there's not been enough time to maybe prepare it so again it's because i'm not present enough in it and it's probably why i really hate auditions i don't hate auditions i can really love auditions but i really hate the pressure of having to learn lines because i don't think that's what an audition should be about and um, I, there's kind of a change happening here where, where we get more time for it because you do want to know your lines for an audition. I like to know it and understand it and understand the text um, so that I can be free in the moment and, and be a bit more playful and instinctive. But um, I remember there was a time where you just get, I don't know, like 10 pages worth of script and you should be off book and you're trying to remember these lines and then whatever no, accent you're supposed to do. And I feel like how can you possibly give your best... Um, and some people are great at learning lines really fast, you know, and, and that's fine. But I would get, whether or not I learned them fast or not, I would still get hung up on the lines rather than the character and the story and, and the point of the scene. Do you know what I mean? So I would say that the only time I've, I really blank is 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 because I haven't prepared well enough, you know. Um, and there's loads of factors. Sometimes it's maybe just being really lazy. Who knows? But, um, you know, sometimes maybe you just don't want it bad enough. Um, but yeah, in general, I feel like the moments when you blank... It's a bit like, for me, when I have, it's like, fall. have you ever fallen off a treadmill? Yes. I have to say I have fallen off a treadmill. What did, did you hurt yourself? Yes. Okay. I think I face, I think I face planted. So I have <laughs> flown off a treadmill. Flo I'm not a morning wow. person. I force myself to be a morning person, but I'm really not. Um, I've flown off a treadmill once. Um, it wasn't even going fast. It's because I have really stupid feet. <laughs> yeah blame your feet <laughs> i trip over myself but it wasn't going very fast but i wasn't again present i was somewhere else with my head so i missed the footing and i literally went blank like you do when you're forgetting the line and i went flying backwards i didn't face plant forwards i went flying backwards quite a few meters <laughs> backwards wow. and i wow. remember and you remember it's like a film you remember it in slow motion and i went okay cool this is happening 
And my body just relaxed. So I didn't have a single bruise on me. I literally just relaxed, fell. I got up and went back on the treadmill. This was in a class. It was full of like 25 people. <laughs> I was going to say, is anyone yeah. watching? <laughs> yeah, my, it was quite busy when I did it as well, unfortunately. And it was so, it was at, yeah, it was at Barry's boot camp in Houston. So it was all like full of really like hot feet, fit people that run fast. And then there's me, like this little thing in the background. <laughs> so <laughs> embarrassing. And the instructor just came over and she's like, are you right? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to get back on. And she's like, okay, cool. <laughs> so I got back on. But it was just, I just remember that so well. I remember the moment of flying off so well because it is literally the same moment as when you forget a line. There is nothing you can do. There is nothing you can do but acknowledge it has happened and then just get back on and keep on running, really. And hope you haven't broken anything. <laughs> yeah. I think getting back on the treadmill is definitely a That's t-shirt nice. there. Yeah, it? it's a nice analogy. I mean, I'm <laughs> sorry you had to go through that. It's a painful analogy, but it's a it's a really nice one. Because you could, in theory, you could pack up your stuff and leave the yeah. gym. You could, couldn't you? That is an option. You could. But then it's hard to get back. I guess it's the same as the getting back on the horse analogy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Rather a treadmill than a horse, though, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. Um, yeah, that's very. Oh god, so I can. I'm just imagining it happening, and <laughs> what the people in the room are thinking, and well, they just feel bad for you. I think they probably feel the bad, thing. and Most probably hope you're okay. You. No one's laughing. Yeah, but no one went, "Are you okay?" And I kind of appreciated that. I appreciated yeah. that I was allowed to just live in this little world if that did not happen. Yeah, you don't want to draw people to draw attention to it. No, anymore because they, you know. I don't think I, unless someone looked like they'd hurt themselves, I don't think I would say anything. I think I would fall start... down a lot. I fall down a lot, and it's 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 very humiliating when someone's like, "Oh my god, are you alright?" Like, yeah, don't look. Oh, yes, man. I'm fine. Just leave me. I think that's, that would be my reaction, though. I think I would I would then start feeling bad for them and start feeling I would go and are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, actually, you're right. It probably does make it worse. You probably do that like, oh. I probably, my mum does that. So I've definitely Aww. inherited that. Yeah. I hope, they're, I hope they're right. Oh my God, I definitely do that. <laughs> no, it's, it's awful. It's it's so embarrassing. Also, I fall up things as well. So it's not even like, it's not even dramatic. That's the most, that's the most dramatic one I've told you. Usually I just fall up the stairs and it just looks like I'm an, like, like I'm an idiot. I don't know how to walk. Is that just missing a step? So like you miss a step and. Is it not being present again? Yeah. Because I'm already, um, my other half's constantly going on about it. I do, I do things too fast because I start to do something and I'm already thinking about the next thing. So I never yeah. do that thing properly. And then inevitably it takes me twice as long to do that thing because I've like spilt the whole dish I'm making and cracked a bunch of plates and so now I have to clear it all up. Um, but it is just that. It's just being way too ahead of yourself and not finishing what you're doing and not being present in what you're doing. Um, and it's something I'm very aware of, but something that I find really difficult to change. Mm. Yeah. I do, when you were saying about books earlier, I do that with podcasts. Like I find if I'm listening to a podcast, I'm not concentrating. I have to skip, do the little 15 second skip back thing. Skip, skip, skip. It takes me it's so hours to listen to a podcast because I've started yeah. like, to reply to a text or something. Yeah, exactly. And then you go back and you actually do listen to it and you think, I didn't need to hear that. That was, that was, that was filler chat anyway. It's a complete waste of my 35 seconds. <laughs> but yeah, I do the exact, the exact same thing. Going back to the sort of the auditions kind of thing. Um, again, it sounds like it's sort of going back to that, that the, the, the school British school system. I was going to say that was a parallel there. Yeah, yeah. I thought oh, it was a parallel yeah, there, yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way. But yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Um... 
and I'm thinking, I'm trying to think back to the few Norwegian auditions I have, which have been a bit more sort of either improvisation, which I find terrifying, by the way. I'm very much like, can you just give me my lines? I'm not funny enough for this. <laughs> I can't do funny. Just give me the lines. You guys know what you're doing. I don't. Um, but yeah, I guess there's sort of more time with the, it's about the character and, and I'm, I think it probably is here as well. It's just when you're given a bunch of scenes and I, again, I'm only speaking from my perspective and I'm sure it's different for everybody, but I just feel this enormous pressure to be able to, to do the words right. <laughs> That's literally how it sounds in my head. It's like, I need to do these words right. Um, rather than focus on, okay, well, what's the content of the scene and what's my character doing? And yeah, maybe it's a bit of a hangover from that. And I think there's some, it's so dangerous to just want to get things right all the time. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And it's something that I'm really trying to like shed and shake off, that there is no right and that sometimes you can just, you know, just go with it. I remember even on Serpent Queen last year, you know, I've been doing this a long time because <laughs> I want to have so much detail with my character. So I remember saying to the show and I was like, okay, but like with Arbis, like, I mean, what is she? What is she? You know, because I thought she was this and like, but then she's doing this and he's like, she's just fluid. She's just, she just does whatever she wants. She doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, I think I can work with that. I think I can work with that. But do you know what I mean? This whole need. She's the sort of character that would work, walk into school with a briefcase. <laughs> would as well. um, but that was, I, that really stuck in my head. You know, you get directed tons left, right, and center when you're doing shows. But there's certain things when direct, that directors say that I'm like, I'm going to take that away for next time and kind of go, okay. Being fluid, I think, is such a great, that was such a great character trait to be given because. So much of the time as an actor, you make, you're trying to make decisions about your character, right? You're trying to make decisions about your character so your performance can be as, I don't know, organic or whatever, whatever fluff that you're thinking that day that it should be. And it just made me go, yeah, cool. Yeah. Fluid is a great word because it just means it can go in any direction and that it doesn't need to have a set course that it has to run through. And the decisions we make as people don't have to adhere to our personalities, they can be slightly out of character I suppose and that's what I think that is actually what makes characters the most interesting is when they do things out of character rather than kind of going oh well, my character wouldn't do that I kind of now approach things by going well why is my character doing that because that I didn't expect you know so I will never ever go on set and say my character wouldn't do that I just find it I find that's the quickest way to shut down your creativity basically and and also the power of a small note there, obviously just like that small note mm. and w was able to free you a little bit within that, you know, that performance. It's also the power of a great director, you know, knowing mm. what to say and being economical with their words um, and giving probably someone like me who likes tons of detail, giving them the opposite of what I want. It gives, you know, probably had a, a more profound effect on me as an actor because it's uh, it's for me, it was a different way of thinking. Uh, you know, outside my own little box of rules that I've probably made up for myself. So I feel like now, going forward in my career, I'm probably going to sort of ditch my little book of rules that I've made for how I, you know, approach each character. Because I think the great thing, I suppose, about drama school, uh, I went to a drama school, um, uh, is that you do get all these tools, right? You get all these tools and all these different ways that I have started to think of as little safety nets, you know, because I don't, I never had a rule book when I first fell in love with acting. I just did it because it felt right and because it was really fun and I could just be there with this person that I was allowed to explore and discover in my own way, whatever that way would be for that character and that story. And then I think I started to really take 
I took it too seriously. I took the whole process of exploring a character and researching a character and dissecting a character. I think I just took it a bit too seriously. And, and now I think it's more interesting to kind of almost throw out the rule book and see what the other people around me that are also part of the storytelling are giving me and what they want and react to that. And it makes it more fun. It's it's a bit more scary. And I love being scared of things. Not not everything, but certain things. Um, and I think that's, it makes for a less predictable performance, I think, when you, I will still always do the work in terms of the things that I love doing for for my, you know, background work on the character, or whatever, if I feel like I want to. But I think it's really nice to be able to very happily throw that away and not get attached to the way I, I suppose I I caught myself doing with this character on the Serpent Queen, attaching myself to, well, what is she? Because there wasn't that much information about her, so I really wanted to know more. But actually, you know, disengaging from that and just allowing it to be whatever, you know, on the day. And I try and remind myself that when we, as human beings, all come with, like, a huge... I don't want to use the word baggage because it's never baggage, but a huge collection of memories and and uh, experiences and the you never I don't I never remember whole conversations. I will remember parts of it or the feeling of it or how it changed me afterwards or how I felt in the moment. And I think I think sort of trying to trying to um, I suppose approach a character in the same way where yes they may have had this huge life that you want to know everything about, but actually what are they carrying with them from that life, I think is more interesting. What remains of that life and what have they left behind and why is more interesting than, I'm just going to bring all this paperwork, all the archives yeah, from their yeah. life on set with me. It's useless. I don't think it's needed. All that's needed is who they are at that moment and how they got there. So, yeah, so I'm sort of discovering a new way of thinking about acting, which is fun, you know. I think that's, I mean, that's been really enjoyable listening to you discuss that process. And I think anyone listening that wants to get into acting or is thinking about it will find that incredibly useful. Um, also, I guess, yeah, I think there's sort of two things there as well for me. Like, firstly, I think the fact that you're, you've never stopped learning, you know, as a creative, you never stop learning new ideas or new ways to do things. You never stop improving. And I think that's really important. But also, clearly, it comes from a place of confidence for yourself in your ability and in your experience that you're able to then take on new ways of doing things because you've got the confidence of your experience and life lifetime of work that you can do what you can do but you can also then take yourself out of that comfort zone and try new things i think so i think i think confidence is such an interesting topic um because i think yeah you're right i i, I am confident in my ability that's one thing i've never doubted otherwise i would that's probably why I never went into academia because I doubted my ability as an academic but I've never doubted myself as a creative and I'm not it can petrify me but I'm I'm cool with that that fear I, I find that a positive fear but confidence is so complex isn't it because confidence isn't just what we feel within ourselves it's, it's what what we are given from the people that we care around us what society gives us again going back to all the social media stuff you might you know open up an app and all of a sudden that confidence that you had is just like okay that's gone um you know it's the jobs that come your way it's how you are um it's the roles that come your way as an actor I suppose the opportunities that are available to you the ones that actually are given to you um and and I think a lot a lot of the time when people are in the arts what what is that thing where it's some success is something plus opportunity plus luck I can't I can't quite remember it there's a specific calculation isn't there (laughs) 
Yeah. I've always hated yeah, maths. Um, <laughs> Google it quick. Um, multitask, please. Um, but anyway, it's just it's just about all those different things having to be in the right place, and I think it's so easy to lose sight of that and think it's something that you're doing or, or not doing that is keeping you where you are. And maybe to an extent that's true, but I think remembering that confidence is also a accumulation of all the things that came before where you are now and all the things that are around you now. Um, it's, I think it's really hard to have confidence just within yourself and just run on that alone. I think it, I, I think you need to, it needs to be fueled like everything else in our body. I think it's something that has to be, you know, otherwise I feel like I'll self-combust. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, and I'm not talking about validation, by the way. I think confidence is very different to that. But I feel like you can only feel as confident as the work that you're doing and that is coming your way. And when that, I think that's why I know, I know a lot of actors um, struggle with it. I definitely struggle with it. But downtime is so difficult because that's when there's nothing really feeding your confidence if you're not getting a chance mm. to be creative, you know. Um, and so I've really now made a conscious effort to make sure that when I am in a in a time when there is an acting work coming up or I'm waiting to hear if a show will go again, um, that that I am surrounding myself with people that that fuel that. And I'm not talking about, oh my God, you're an amazing person and we want to hang out with you. It's not about that. Yeah, it's yeah, about no, like no. having conversations that are really like this, you know, this is, it's conversations with people that have an opinion on the world and about the arts and that are excited about doing creative things and having creative outlets. Um, and, you know, like this year, um, I haven't done much acting work, but I have spent that time now creating um, my, my short film that I'm in the edit for and have got to meet new people that I wouldn't have been exposed to if I hadn't kind of had the confidence to go, okay, cool, well, I don't really know what I'm doing there, but I know that I really respect directors and I find them really interesting and I, I want to make a short film, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. And so, you know, and it's kind of, I guess, also taking responsibility to fuel your own confidence, you yeah. know. Yeah, absolutely. I totally get that. And I think when I've... I've um had kind of difficult moments with regards to the creative work I've been doing. I've looked to do something new or something that I wanted to do for a while, like you, you're saying about making a short film. Um, and that's always been exciting. And obviously there's the, there's a level of trepidation if you're trying something new, for example, but um, kind of filling the well up of, of creativity and stuff so that I can feel that confidence again. Um, and like you say, it's not, it's not a validation. It's a very difficult, different thing. Um, but just to, yeah, to, to give yourself that extra boost so that you can, you know, you can work harder on the things you're doing. Did you find out what the, um, quote was, Jim? Well, <clears throat> there's, seems to be conflicting quotes. Oh, good. Let's choose our favourite. <laughs> one, one, two people have basically come up with the same idea. One is from a Roman philosopher called Sen Seneca who apparently said luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Mm -hmm. But then according to Google, Zig Ziglar, and that sounds more like a character from some sort Sesame of American Street, sitcom. <laughs> Sesame Street, yeah. Well, I was going to say Seinfeld. Um, said, oh, no, he's a person. He looks like a sort of American real estate person. Said success occurs when opportunity meets preparation. So... I don't know. Which one do you prefer? Which, Which one do you prefer? Yeah. What was yeah. the first one again? The first one is luck. Oh, hang on. Luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. 
I think it's a mix of the both. Yeah. Can we find halfway house? Mixture of <laughs> preparation, opportunity and luck. Yeah. That's a better quote. Actually. Yeah. We'll, we'll do I'm sure part. someone's already done it, but if they haven't, I'm going to patent it and I'm going to yeah. put a t-shirt as a slogan. We're doing it now. We're doing it now. That's it. Oh, <laughs> uh, so many good quotes. I love a good quote. I love a good quote. Me too. Yeah. So tell, tell us about the doing the short film then, because that sounds really exciting. It was amazing. So over COVID, I got into writing. I'm not great at it I'm, I'm, because I'm, I really, I'm really bad at structure. As you can probably tell by the way I interview, I just go off on random tangents about everything. No, we like that. We, we like, like that, that on this part, yeah. <laughs> Our podcast is the same. We talk, we think we're talking about one thing and then we just end up yeah. doing something else. Um, what was your question again? <laughs> Getting, doing, the, doing the short film. You, were so, you weren't present there, were you, at all? <laughs> Not present there. Um, no, the short film. So um, my... A very good friend and co-writer, Max Krupski, and I have been writing for a while. Max is amazing with structure, which, as I mentioned, I am appalling at. Um, but I'm quite all right with, like, character, you know. And Max is so brilliant in the way that he's like, I only want to write for women and be really inclusive. And I'm like, great, I am on board with that. Um, and we both um, suffer, suffered, suffer sometimes better than other times with insomnia. So okay, he had yeah. this idea about writing uh, a film about a short film about a um, couple who get cursed with insomnia, and um, and what happens between them when there is this breakdown of communication, basically. Um, and then we liked the story so much, we we're like, let's make a let's make a let's make a long form out of it. So we made a. Um, I'm just gonna have another one. Great. Okay. So um, my short film that I have directed is one that I've written with my co-writer Max about insomnia that we both suffer with. Um, although now I am on a cacophony of wonderful herbal things that, that make me, they're all legal, but they make me sleep really well. <laughs> um, and uh, it was a way of us getting creative. We'd been t- it was one of those things, you know, when you're like, we should do that, we should do that, we should do that. And finally you're like, let's just, let's just do it then. You let's know? actually do it, yeah. Yeah, and we had tried, you know, we, we went down the route of um, looking for funding and different producers and we just had a short window of time to get it done because I had shown the script to uh, Maurizio Tiella who was um, one of the camera operators on The Serpent Queen last year when we were in France and one of the things I loved to do was host dinner parties so we'd have dinner parties and probably a bit too many glasses of wine and we had all these people over I was like Maurizio I really you know I just I, just, I really want you to, to be my cameraman <laughs> never thinking it would ever happen because and he was like yeah yeah send the script over so I sent the script over and then he was like I really like it I'll, I'll do it and uh you know, and so I was like okay guys and um my wonderful producer Amelia um Clay uh was like okay we have no choice but to self-fund this because if we go down this route you're not going to be able to do what you want to do if you go down this route we're going to have to wait till next year how much money do we all have? <laughs> let's put it in. Let's put it in a pot and then let's pull some favours. And that is literally what we did. Um, she's an incredible producer and actress and she's one of the leads in the short film. And everything that could go wrong obviously went wrong, which is brilliant because you learn so much from it. But I was just overwhelmed by the amount of people that despite me sort of never having done anything but another short film, um, that was very different, very different genre to this, which is a psychological thriller, um, were so willing 
to believe in the script and believe in us as creators that they were like cool yeah I will do it for skills exchange or yeah I'll do it but at my basic minimum rate and um we did it we we had an amazing location <laughs> that my uh my friends restored church <laughs> that we that we shot in wow. Maurizio came down and we shot listed together we had our incredible art director um Cynthia who just made everything look incredible and I had a bunch of my absolutely amazing actress friends from the Serpent Queen that were like I'll come and do catering I'll come and do your set design and it was just such a project of friendship I think you know the Mm. then the love for the for the script and I just loved it I loved I loved the control <laughs> I loved I loved being behind the camera I've always been so fascinated by by it um but I just love the time has never gone so by so fast for me and wow. I have always had so much respect for you know behind the camera but to be able to be part of that and see through a production from beginning to now in its first edit phase um it was just so it, it really made me feel really present and alive do you know what I mean like really alive like it feel, it felt like have you ever done ice water swimming yeah well I've done cold water stuff yeah 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 I live I live by the sea so yeah so you know when you jump in and you're like oh, I'm gonna die I'm gonna die yeah and yeah, then you yeah. come out you're like oh my god I feel like I've just been born again <laughs> yeah yeah that's what it feels like it's quite a I don't know. I just had such. It just gave me such a respect for the arts again because I think it's so easy, and and people don't talk about it enough about how difficult it it can be to be an actor who isn't working or an actor that is doubting themselves or a, just any create, and not even necessarily a creator, but anyone in life where their purpose feels like they haven't quite got the hold of it or control of it, and I think just when you then get a project that suddenly reignites why you wanted to do it in the first place it's just an amazing feeling and that short film really did do it for me and it made me kind of really go okay I'm, I'm not t- I'm not too shit at this like I can I can explore directing a bit more I wasn't I didn't get fired off my own set <laughs> so, yeah, you know. um, I didn't fire myself I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't want to fire myself you know I didn't I didn't hate myself um you know and and it, again it was an opportunity to learn from all the stuff that went wrong and an opportunity to work with what's great about this industry is that you get to work with people that are different all the time and you constantly have to adapt, which I have always loved, probably from moving around so much. But you always have, you always learn something new about humanity and people and reactions and you always learn something new about yourself. Uh, whether that's a good thing or something that you want to change, you always walk out of a film set or a theatre show having grown in some way as a person. I mean, it sounds so selfish, doesn't it? I can, I can better myself as a person, but you really do. It's, it's, um, it's one of. The, it's quite nice to do this podcast because it's kind of it's really reminded me what I love about it. You know, why why I want to do it in the first place. Because because trust me, there's times when you're like, what am I doing with my life? Like literally, what am, what am I doing? Um, you know, uh, especially when you get to a certain age and all your all your mates that aren't creators are are living really stable lives yeah. and know what's coming next and I'm booking <laughs> holidays like months and year, years in advance I think sometimes and you're kind of like yeah cool I might I might be able to make that dinner next Wednesday but don't hold me to it I'll call yeah. you, I'll call you. <laughs> so yeah yeah and do you know what's what's lovely sorry Jim I mean is that I asked you about obviously asked you about the um the short film you've been describing it and and I don't think I've seen a smile leave your face so clearly it's something that's 
that's that's had a big impact on you and that's wonderful to see and hear um yeah. and i think that's that i mean doing things that, and, and i totally hear you with regards to the the downtimes you know jim and i are freelancers creatives and and know that only too too well how difficult it can be in those moments um but i think if you can find something that reminds you of the good things that you, and why you do it in the first place that's that i mean my god that fills your heart up doesn't it a little bit. why did you guys start the podcast whose idea was it well, oh, I don't know. What, I don't know where you are on the screen. But Charles is above me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was my idea because of that very thing. I was going through a writer's block, trying to finish a novel. Couldn't finish it. It was really struggling. I was thinking, I really want to talk to some other people that are struggling with this. Uh, <laughs> I know one. I'll get, I know. I'll get Jim, um, who who was having a similar issue with st- doing stand up and um, not getting back on stage and stuff. So. And then, yeah, and then it became clear when we started recording with people that, uh, like, blank, or in inverted commas, it means different things to different people, whether it's imposter syndrome, social anxiety, public failure, all these different things encompass that, the, the theme of the podcast. And, yeah, and, and obviously we've now had a chance to talk to lots of really cool people and hear their stories, and we're all quite similar, really. We all have those moments of doubts and anxiety and neurosis that <laughs> she's quite comforting myself and my podcast host Sagaradia um started this podcast uh, started our podcast um to make space for, for people kind of like us because I, I think now obviously podcasting is such a big thing isn't it um yeah. but it's so interesting so we t- over covid i remember we tried to do uh w- we did we did one um it was without video so it, this was I think just before Zoom, um, um, sort of virtual one. And we just, we just couldn't do it. We just missed sort of the visual cues and the connection with people when you are face-to-face or in a room with them. Yeah. Um, and I was wondering, have, did you guys, have you guys decided to do it in a certain way, in a certain format for similar reasons? Well, we, we always used to do it in person and yeah. come up to London, but neither of us live in London. So there's that issue of kind of getting there. And it was a Friday, so it would take up a whole day really for both of us, wouldn't it, coming in? Yeah. Um, I, but I do agree with you. I think it, it is lovely to be in person with someone. And like I say, Jim and I can give us the nod. Like We're, we're getting better <laughs> at it on Zoom, but we do sometimes <laughs> talk over one another. Um, but it's not quite the same. However, on the flip side, it does mean that we can do it more regularly, doing it this way and we can you know we can talk to people in the states and you know from other countries where it might be um it gives us that opportunity as well um i mean we were doing a few kind of remote ones before weren't mm. we when we had um certain guests on who were not in the uk so so but i think we do miss it a little bit meeting up don't we definitely yeah it's not it's not quite the same and the plan was after covid i think to try and go back to in person ones but it just hasn't again the person right well, I'm an inherently quite lazy person, so I think the fact that I don't have to leave my house <laughs> does does help. But you're both completely right. You do miss there's just something about being in a room with someone and that connection. You do miss it a bit. Although having the video screens does, I think, does help. Um, if it was audio only, I think it'd be pretty. We did do one audio. We did one audio, audio and it was just rubbish because you just couldn't. Can't remember who it was. With. You can't. It was Chris Addison. Oh, that's right. And it this yeah. is, that was right at the start of COVID. Yeah. Yeah, and, and right. I really wanted to see his face because he's a great guy. And yeah. I feel like they don't quite know who they're talking to as well. And that can be a bit yeah. jarring. But how do you find it in terms of, because it's really interesting how you connect with people and, and 
obviously you've had loads of more guests than we have on have had on but um I'm always quite curious as to what what makes a good podcast guest can interview you guys now (laughs) the tables have turned the tables have really turned um what makes a good guest? I mean, we're open to talking to whoever, really, aren't we, Jim? I think, um, yeah. and we're quite lucky in that we can diversify our types of guests. Like last a, a couple of weeks ago, we had a a, um, a CIA intelligence officer on, you know, which was really interesting talking to him about his kind of blank moments. Um, so, what's nice is that we, you know, it it, it can be very um, varied. And it's just about, um, yeah. we just love talking to each other, well, talking to each other, but talking to whoever, really, whoever comes our our way. But, yeah. Do you feel oh, like with something. sort of um, social media and uh, and things being so public now that you get guests that are more nervous to share things or kind of have, in quotation marks, correct answers? No, I'd say the other way around. I, I people, There's something about the podcast format where I think people relax and realise that they're talking to... You know, professional guys who aren't just professionals. Like, well, we that, are kind, uh, <laughs> kind of, kind of. But people, okay, people who know what they're doing, who are again. Like, I will caveat that with <laughs> you. Well, you're wrong. You're wrong. We've got to, we've got to lean into the confidence a little bit. Um, yeah. Who um, are here to talk because they like talking, not because they're here trying to get a headline or anything like that. And so, yeah, I, I think, think that's important to us. Is not we're yeah. not we're not looking for clickbait. We're not looking for any sensationalism. We're not backed by a production company or anything like that. We're just two guys who like doing the podcast and like hearing people's stories and so i think actually once people relax into that and realize they're in a safe space i think they are they feel more confident opening up about certain areas of their life some more than others and that's totally cool and we never push anyone to say anything they don't want to or force them to it's just a safe space for what they feel like they want to talk to but i would say you today have been a fantastic guest because those episodes where (laughs) those episodes where we don't i feel like i've asked about three questions today i don't have to ask a question because you just get it and you you just roll and roll no it's no not at all those are the best guests where they instantly you feel like they're on board they know what it's about you can ask a couple of questions and they can sort of run with it and and have deep thoughts and interesting anecdotes um those are the best guests so i say you've been brilliant to chat to today I think that's that probably why I like podcasts over interviews sometimes because you feel like mm. there isn't a set of questions that you're just like yeah. running down and going, oh, how can I answer this differently to how I did the other one? Because it's the exact same question. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think, I think I don't know about you, but I, I'm bored of like watching kind of in, like TV interviews or, you know, particularly if, if it's kind of someone's might be selling a, a product of some sort, whether, you know, because it is kind of just very surfacey and stuff. And whereas, you know, with a podcast, you can talk about all sorts of different topics. It doesn't have to necessarily be about, you know, one particular thing or area of, of someone's life. And I think that's, I think we're, we're quite lucky now that we, we have that a little bit more. I agree. I like your podcast a lot. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I think I mean, we, we rarely have people come on that are selling anything so, or, or promoting anything. So that's nice. So they're not into it. But tell us about your new show. But no, but I was going to say. <laughs> they... I have got a bunch of uh, creams that I'm trying to set. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, um, what... d- d- um, the new show? No, I was going to say, tell us the name. You, you haven't actually, you, you spoke so heartwarmly about the short film. You've actually told us the title of the short film. And So the short film is called Sleep Eater. Okay. Um, because it's about insomnia. Yeah. Um, yes, and it will hopefully do festival rounds. I'll, I'll keep you guys updated. Yeah, absolutely. Let us know when we can it. actually what? see it. Yeah. And yeah, the show that um, actually brought me on here is the Serpent Queen. Anyone who is listening that wants to watch it, yeah. it's actually a pretty good 
it's, it's a very good show actually it's quite it's quite hilarious and dark so i i would watch uh, it. and that's is that on that's on disney is it so it's on stars so you can watch it via stars, disney yeah, yeah. um i think you can also watch it via amazon prime but then you have to get some subscription through it i'm not very techy i'm not techy. I, it, I, I, stars is definitely on disney plus so definitely worth watching on that i know sure. that because i'm borrowing my um cousin's yeah, we're all borrowing someone. Sorry, Disney. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, what's the name of your podcast? Uh, Rule Not the Exception. We've just released our third uh, series. So, yeah, it's uh, it's our Brilliant. passion project, probably much like yours started as well. So, same, yeah, not backed by so. anyone but ourselves. Well, just turning the sides a little bit on your question to us, what do you think makes a good guest? I think someone podcast. that wants to be on the podcast and someone yeah. someone that, you know... Is, is open to, to talking about difficult things sometimes, but is open to talking without filters. I think that that's what make, mm. makes a good podcast guest. Um, and guests that are, I don't know, that aren't, cl- yeah, I think just not closed. Yeah. Uh, I don't, and I don't mean you need to bear your whole soul and, you know, tell me all your childhood trauma. Um, there are people you can pay for that and you will get more out of them but I'm happy to listen um but no people that kind of have something to say and I mean our podcast is very much based on creating a space for voices that are less heard so minorities in in any form of the word you know um we're not just talking about um minorities in terms of race um but it is just a platform where it's not just about the people who have made it um and are already up there but also about the people that are still coming up and that maybe aren't as well known but that have something to say and and think in an interesting way you know and people that we we value them as creatives or as people um and that have something to contribute i think if you have something interesting to contribute great if you don't just just be a listener (laughs) (laughs) i I, I appreciate that and i think that's i think it'd be fair to say jim and i have tried to do that a little bit with with this podcast because obviously we've had some high profile people on but you know often the the most interesting conversations are people that you know do other stuff in life that you know maybe not isn't quite as high high profile i mean i love Um, chatting to high profile people because once you get away from talking about their success and talking about all the other stuff you know and it's not about complaining about how hard it is and stuff like that but actually what what has got you and what components in your life and what people in your life and what things have happened in order for you to get to where you are now? Mm. And how do you feel about where you are now? Do you know? And that's what I find interesting. Not, yeah. not to kind of go, oh, so what's the show you're on? Or, you know, what's the, yeah, what's the exactly. book you've written? But more like, where did that come from? And why? Why is it so important to you? And that's Yeah. But the beauty of what I find with our podcast is that every episode we do, there's a takeaway for me. So every single person we've chatted to, I'll, I'll walk back. I have a cabin in the back of my garden. Where I record. I walk back to my house, and I'm always thinking, "Ah, oh, that thing they said was really interesting." Or, "Ah, oh, that thing they were alluding mm. to." I just think that that's the the best thing for me. Everybody is interesting. Everybody is different, and everyone, as you said, if they come on in a space where they want to talk, there's always a takeaway. I think it's all. We always approach it as well that it's such a privilege to have people on our podcast because yeah. you're asking for, you know, an hour or two of somebody's time. And so you just want to make sure that that time for them is also valuable, I suppose, and that the conversation that they're happy, that they also, in the same way you said, Jim, when you walk away, that you kind of walk away and I'd love to think that they've said something that kind of made them go, oh yeah, I forgot. Do you know, like I'll take away quite a bit from this podcast because like I said, you know, it's made me think, oh, I remember now why, why I do this. Um, So that's important. I mean, we we always, um, 
after we've done the podcast, we send it over to our, our, our editor who takes out all our ums and ahs and all that stuff. And um, and then he'll send it back and we'll have a listen about a week before each podcast goes out because we want to find a, a good title. And so we try and use that as an opportunity to sort of understand the core of that that conversation or that person mm. um, and try and encapsulate in a couple of words. Yeah. That's really nice. I mean, we don't do titles. We just do the person's name. Maybe we should do proper titles, Charles. We just put the, the person's name in. But There's 180-something to go through. <laughs> quite a lot to go back through. Yeah, that's <laughs> weird. That'd be quite a lot of work. You um, can do reruns. Yeah, yeah, maybe just, yeah, just from... We're still technically in Series 1. We just never left Series 1. <laughs> yeah, it's, still, it's still Series 1, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every series is 100 and 200 episodes. <laughs> like. We get 200, we'll think about doing Series 2. Yeah. Absolutely, they are. Well, it's honestly, you said it was a privilege when you have guests on. It's been an absolute privilege. It's to been have you so on. good. Tripler tablets. Oh, okay. That's really good for sleeping. Okay. I should yes. check that out. Sorry, carry on. No, no, no. <laughs> it's good info. It's good info. It is good info because, yeah, I, yeah. Um, I, I've, I've started eating more like keto as well, and that's helped, actually. Protein. Um, yeah, having less carbs um, has helped with sleep. I can't live without carbs. No, so a lot of people can't. Um, I love them so, so much. I know bread. <laughs> bread's great. <laughs> oh my god, we were uh, filming out in France for six months last year, and honestly, all I had was bread and wine and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Some cheese. Um, yeah, no, um, but I have found that's helped. But yeah, thank you. I'll, I shall check both those things out. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, as I was saying, it was a. It's been such a privilege to have you on. Thank you so much. It's been a joy to talk to you. And um, we really appreciate all your time. And, thank you for um, my reminder for why I'm, you know, still an actor. Oh, well, no, thank, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I look forward to listening to more of your podcasts. Thank oh, you. Thank you. You've been, you, could, I could chat to you for, for hours, honestly. You've been such an easy guest. We'll go and have some herbal concoctions. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, We'd love that. It's me. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, for some reason, I thought it was you. Oh, the concentrating. No, I was doing. I was multitasking. Then actually, well, we um, talk about that on the pod. How yeah. we can't do it. No, we can't. It's impossible. There you go. I've yeah. just proven, just proven Emery to write. Because uh, yeah, I, was, I had it in my head. It was you, but uh, no, that was me. So um, sorry. But I have proven her right there by trying to do a bit of multitasking at a critical time. It didn't work out, and 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 she's right. We can't. I loved all the stuff about being in the moment. Like, mm. it's just so true. And um, I just thought it was so on point. I really loved all of that stuff. I think she's got such a great outlook on life and loads of stuff she talked about I thought was really, really interesting. All the school stuff about yeah. happily being the outsider. And and I was going to say, I didn't sort of say it during the episode. I was going to say sort of like, like embracing not being cool, basically. Mm. Because in my eyes, not being quote unquote cool is actually, is actually cool. It's actually cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And embracing that and just being her own person. And, uh, you know, clearly that's something she's uh, she's stuck with as well. And I just think, yeah, well, just a great person. Really, really enjoyed it. I, I wrote down positive fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we, I, I think that was just something she said in passing while talking about sort of like uh, fear in uh, in the general sense. I came up a few times. I just thought it was a lovely phrase. Yeah, it's I loved cool. it. Yeah. Positive, positive fear, fear. really yeah. cool. So, 
Yeah, just a really cool person. Yeah, um, really cool. So, so yeah, really enjoyed, really enjoyed having her on. Yeah, it was a great episode. I, there loads and loads of takeaways from it. And uh, what was lovely was she said that also having the conversation with us had kind of reiterated how much she loves doing what she does. Um, I guess sort of talking about it out loud. And that was really lovely as well. And we talked about her sh- her new short film that she's done. And honestly, you could see the joy and excitement in her face talking about it. And that was that was wonderful. Yeah, you're right. It really was. It really was. And you made a point like the smile hasn't disappeared from your face and it really hadn't. And that's just so nice seeing someone just mm. clearly loving what they're what they're doing. But also at the same time, branching out and trying something different and sort of like broadening those skills. So. I really think this is one of those episodes where there's so many takeaways. And I mm. think if, you know, if you, I just feel like if I try and live my life a bit more like Amrita, then I think, you know, I'm, I'll probably be a bit more sort of creatively fulfilled and, and, and happier. So I'm, I'm sorry to put that responsibility on her shoulder. I'm making her sound like some sort of like cult figure now. She's like, she um, has a new guru for cult us. Cult leader, yeah, new guru. But no, it's just really, it's a really refreshing episode. Really, really lovely person as well, which which always helps and uh, and loads of takeaways. And, that, and that, yeah, those, tick those three boxes in the blank podcast, then you're going to be a good guest. And she was asking us at the end, I don't know if this is in the Patreon bit or not, but like, you know, what makes a good guest? Well, she did. You yeah. know, that was an absolutely spot on guest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like you've hit the nail on the head there, Jim. Yeah. Perfect guest for us. And, uh, you know, we love those episodes where we, we talk about all different topics and it was one of those, but also, you know, we stayed on brand as well. Um, yeah. You know, particularly sort of messing up the end there. <laughs> very on brand for us i like that because we should have to go back and re-record stuff we could just feel like yeah yeah just leave it all in it's fine leave yeah. it all in mate yeah yeah where where are your faults and failures on your arms yeah and completely it's all part of everything isn't yeah. it especially especially as you know you and i are in our are we middle-aged yet i guess we kind of are aren't we yeah yeah so. probably mm. but i think by, by, by the time you get to that point i think there's no point worrying about screwing up like it's different when you're younger i get it yeah. you know younger you're trying to be perfect but you can't think, be perfect. I, There's no such thing as perfection. No such thing as perfect. And actually, the imperfections make you who you are. And actually, it's part of your charm, I think. Yeah. So you just kind of just, just go with it. Yeah. So. I don't think you're middle-aged yet, are you? You haven't hit 40 yet. Is that what? Is that the cutoff, is it? I, well, I, I think some like people say 50. And then, yeah. Really? Yeah. But uh, what am I in then? If you live to 100, it's middle-aged, isn't it? Well, that's true. So what am I What am I in then? So I'm not young. But you're not old. No. It's not time to make a change. <laughs> uh, doesn't matter, sound like yeah, Cat come Stevens on, what Cat lyric. Stevens? Yeah, what's it? Yeah, um, I don't know what late thirties is. Oh, it's the new twenties. That's what it is, mate. Yeah, it's not. It's very much not. I'm so tired. I feel like I'm. I don't feel middle aged, but I think I probably statistically am middle aged. Yeah, I would. I would say you don't give off a middle aged vibe. But although I haven't said <laughs> that, what mature. is that? Because because. Because what is that? Because like as a kid, looking at me now, I'd be like, "Well, that guy's obviously over, yeah, over age, sorry, uh, middle age." Yeah, come on, got, granddad. He's, he's, he's got, yeah, <laughs> you know, he's he's put on a bit of weight and he's yeah. got a beard and all that. So, but what statistically, what? Oh my word, I'm gonna Google it. I think what is middle? This is the gold that uh, it'll just be Catherine listening now, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, Catherine, yeah. Uh, oh, okay, here we go. According to Google, so. Um, well, they know. No, according from the Oxford languages. So this must be ah, okay. official. Uh, middle-aged of a person, in brackets, aged about 45 to 65. Right. So I am hitting middle-aged this year. There you go. Okay. So you're nearly So I'm nearly officially, yeah, so officially middle-aged. You'll be official middle-aged. In, in, in a few okay. weeks' time. So, um, 
Yeah. There you go. Well, sorry, I've just changed. <laughs> I've just, oh, I feel I've like just I should put... do have a big sorry. do or something. I'll just say I've just put a lot of emphasis on that birthday. No, oh, not at all. No. Put... Maybe I should Is... do something special for it. Oh, okay. So then someone else said you can do whatever you want. Yeah, you know, no pressure. It's your day. Um, is 35 middle-aged? And the answer, according to pubmed.ncbi.nim.nih.gov. Oh, my word, a lot of dots in there. The stages of adulthood include early adulthood, 22 to 34. So you're still in early adulthood. No, you're just no, past it. I'm past it. Early middle age. Oh, early middle age. Okay, till 44. Oh, no, it gets worse for you. So I'm in late middle age, am I? <laughs> you're in late middle age. Fucking hell. So I'm in late middle-aged. Yeah. Uh, I becomes... would disagree with that. I so disagree. You, I think. When you get past 40, it's a lot of scrolling when you have those check, <laughs> check forms. It when is, date yeah. of birth, you're like, oh, <laughs> Christ, I was born in the 70s. I've got to go back <laughs> like four decades. <laughs> you, what you want? You want those, one of those little calendar ones where you can just sort of like enter oh, it yourself yeah. or jump back a bit rather than scroll. Anyway, so what do you think? What do you think post 65 is then? Old age, is it? Late adulthood. Late adulthood. That's old age, though, surely. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a sort of Netflix, Netflix drama, doesn't it? Well, old late age. Late adulthood. No, late, late adulthood. adulthood. Yeah, 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 it does. Yeah. It? Yeah. Starring, yeah. I don't know. Oh, mate, we should write that. We should do. Yeah, we should do. Well, no, well, hang it's on, got hang Bill on. Nye in it. I'm 30 years away from it. It's got Bill Nye, yeah. It's got Bill Nye in it. And I'm still 28 years, 27 years away. Imelda Staunton's in it. Yeah, they, yeah, perfect casting. And what's it called again? Late adulthood. Late adulthood. Yeah. Oh, mate, that's she's she's written. she's mid adulthood. He's late yeah. adulthood. Yeah. They don't know whether they could be together because of the age difference. And they learn a bit. They learn a bit about each other from. Mm. They, they learn a bit from each other. Turns out about. he's more. In in his lifestyle, is more mid adulthood, and she's more late. Yeah, and the yin yang of that makes them a perfect couple. And they learn a, they learn something about themselves but also <laughs> from to. that other person. They've yeah, got, got to, to otherwise it won't have be a journey. A, yeah, yeah, they have a journey. Mm. They embrace the. We're heading towards the mannerism style now, aren't we? Oh, it's got to be hallmarky. Yeah, not with Bill but, Nye in it, it won't be. But no, that's true. But a lot of movies now, kind of, I I do think they they lend that. Uh, they do borrow from Hallmark movies. I think that the, the influence oh. is large. Like, like, there's one on Netflix at the moment called, oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's got Jennifer Lopez and uh, Owen Wilson as the leads. J-Lo and, and Owen Wilson. Oh, oh my God, that's quite, so hard-hitting A-listers then. It's called Marry Me. Marry Me. And it's me. on Netflix, I think. And um, it is. So they get married, I assume, in the end. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil they do. it. So they do, spoil yeah, it. they do. But this movie, <laughs> this movie is absolutely shite. It's so bad. It's so bad. But it lends ma- it's obviously like A-listers like Bill and I. He would be in our in our film. Um, yeah. But it borrows so much from from Hallmark. I feel it's, like it's ours needs all to be a, bit, all over it. a little edgier, to be honest. Well, I think it would be the the the, the talent would lead that. I yeah, think. like it would be in in. And I think the, the script would develop depending on sort of who's attached to it. Mm. But um. Yeah, it, it everything now, every romantic movie has a Hallmark feel to it. I think they are the influence of Hallmark. God, if I was doing a dissertation, the influence of Hallmarks on on gen on Mate. you know wider Hollywood or whatever, there's something in that. Write that. The Guardian will be, the Guardian will commission that. 
The Guardian don't pay very well, so uh, no, I won't be writing that. I'd have to write it for like the Air, New York Times or something. They've no one pays. Oh, the no New one York pays Times, anymore. yeah, that would be a perfect no New got, York Times. No one. The dissection money. of Hallmark and, oh. has, and its influence on the 21st century romantic yeah. comedy scene. There you go. That's that's a dissertation title, but yeah, yeah. Oh well. Anyway, we'll keep we'll, we'll keep um, bashing that out. That that I've story. still got to write shopping for love. So I've got a lot on my plate. Of course, plate. yeah, yeah. Yeah, mate, we're never going to get around to all it's these projects. It's never going to get around to it, no. Never mind. It's nice to sort of spitball ideas, though, isn't it? Yeah. Um, right, okay, that's the end of the episode. Yeah, bye. <laughs> bye. Media Podcast.